Hey y'all, this is Byron. I uh, just want to put something out there. Yes, I am a mental health therapist. And yes, my couch is quite comfortable. However, if you're listening to this podcast, it is not a substitute for a therapeutic relationship with a certified or licensed mental health therapist. So though I appreciate you taking the time out to listen to me and hopefully gain some information and insight about what's going on with you from listening to this podcast, Take the time to seek out mental health resources in your area if you so need to. Thanks for listening and hope you enjoy. The most fun I had in Inglewood in a minute. I can't believe Vince Staples was there. Hey, we need more events like this. Even my grandma was out there dancing. Tonight in South L.A., niggas gathered for fried chicken, cocoa butter, and violence. But as always, you can count on Shannon on the scene. Yo, just checking in on you. Don't let that Molly fuck your room how well you did today. You killed the ease. By the way, did you invite mom? Because she keep on my... Hey, morning after update. So it looks like we are waiting on deposit returns from four vendors. But in the meantime, I did have a few questions about something that you was telling me that... <laughs> you okay, girl? What's that last night? What happened with y'all? Okay, this baby won't stop crying. Why are you reaching for my teddy? Ain't nothing in there. Is that a wee thing? That's a wee thing. supposed to do now? That's a good question. You fucked up. I didn't fuck up. She fucked up. And she got you fucked up. Fucking right. That's what the fuck I'm saying. I should probably reach out, though. Reach out? Have you noticed that you're always the one reaching out and apologizing? Fuck. Yeah, let her reach out to you. She's wrong, too. Effortless bars. Okay, yeah. But what do I do while I wait? Relax, relate, release. Take care of you. Self-care Sunday. I'm sorry, what? Speak up. I said self-care Sunday. It's when you take care of yourself on a Sunday. I know what that means. I read too. Okay. Yeah. 
Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Captain's Couch. I'm your host, Byron Taylor. Thank you all. Oh, man, let me put that thing on vibrate. I'm supposed to be semi-professional doing this. Totally forgot. Anyway, welcome back, guys, to the Captain's Couch. I'm your host, Byron Taylor. Thank you all again for checking your boy out this week. Uh, session number 41 of the Captain's Couch. Hope everybody was safe and got to enjoy the Memorial Day um, weekend, you know, um, social distancing as best as you can. You know, if you went by your people house and got a plate, you know, make sure you wash your hands afterwards. Um, yeah, just do the best that you can to keep yourself safe. Don't be out here like these folks, these crazy folks out there um, piling up at the the water parks or whatever and the, the beaches and, and all that. It's just now nah, try. Please try not to be those people. Uh, but you know, if you if your uncle your uncle putting on some some food at the crib, you know, keep some distance. You know, minimal. You know, maximum ten people at the crib at a time. Uh, yeah, you know, make sure you're staying safe. So, but we back here again. You know, this Memorial Day weekend. Um, do a little bit more insecure talk with a little mix of mental health um, here on the couch. Um, we are at. I think I just I just watched um, episode seven. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk, I'll have something for that next week, uh, whenever we come back on the show. So we're going to talk a little bit about episode six, um, this week and our, with using that as the backdrop for our, our couple of mental health concepts that we're going to cover today. Um, this may be a little bit shorter episode, um, but you know, we're going to cover a little bit here and, uh, you know, keep this thing popping. Uh, but thank y'all everybody who checked out the episode last week. Um, we're gonna get into this thing real quick with another five star review that I got um, this week. So I appreciate y'all. This is two weeks in a row. Look at y'all. And this since this this person is also very near and dear to my heart. I'm gonna play something for him this week for dropping this five star review. So Amazon, play Southside by Lil Kiki. Southside by Lil Kiki from Title. Ricky and Shelby live there. That's where I'm from. Now, I play this because my grandparents live on the south side of Houston uh, and uh, Sunnyside, South Acres. And uh, my five star review this week comes from Darkness Everywhere. Five stars says, Thank you, sir. Your advice really helps. Sending my support all the way from Houston to Mississippi. Shout out to my little cousin, Darkness. Well, my younger cousin, Darkness. Appreciate the love, cuz. And uh, throw a little uh, H-Town on there for you. Because uh, it certainly can be said that people from Houston love letting you know that they are from Houston. They rap Houston so hard. And all of my family in Houston does. <laughs> Even my mom, you know. Uh, my mom's lived in Mississippi for... 34 years, but she still rep Houston to the fullest. Amazon, stop playing. So this week on the show, we're going to cover two different types of bias. And we're going to use the backdrop of the blow up of the Issa and Molly situation um, to kind of highlight those things. So we're going to talk today about confirmation and negativity bias. So 
the episode this episode six starts with Issa playing back the uh the conversation of what Molly said to her with and the argument that we got at the end of the block party. Um, and then her trying to find some, you know, positive vibes and kind of some more positive energy by looking at Facebook and getting positive reaction, mostly positive reaction from um, the, the block party. Um, and then, of course, you know, Amal gives her some love. Her brother who actually brings a smile to Issa's face by seeing, you know, Amal actually giving her, you know, love and support. So Issa talks to Mirabitch. That is the name of the character. So she talks to Mirabitch. Um, in the mirror and they have a conversation about what to do next about the situation with Molly. So we get kind of the first little bit of what we see as confirmation bias. And we see that as um, a situation where throughout the episode, Issa is trying to find ways to be helpful to other people and kind of reciprocate some of the positive energy that she received um, and the help that she received through the process of doing the block party. So we see Issa trying to help an old man get a ride. We see her trying to pay for a pregnant woman's baby stuff, but Issa can't afford it because she's still broke. Um, and then she also tried to help and befriend a group of uh, young bachelorettes on a bachelor bachelorette party um, celebrating that are in L.A. who are from the East Coast. So. Confirmation bias occurs from direct influence of desires on belief. Uh, when people would like a certain idea or concept to be true, they end up believing it to be true. They are motivated by what we call wishful thinking. This error leads to leads individuals to gather information when the evidence when the evidence gathered so far confirms the views and the prejudices that they would like to be true now we see confirmation bias on in both situations with molly and isa um we have seen confirmation bias play out with isa in this episode where she's trying to confirm that she's a good person um and that she's trying to reaffirm that she's not really a user and that she does give out good energy and helpfulness to other people um and on Molly's end, we see confirmation bias play out in a little bit different way. She sees, and especially like an incident like a few episodes ago where Issa, um, where the, the headliner fell through for Issa with Schoolboy Q pulled out. That was confirmation to Molly that Issa was still messing up and still messy. Um, also, something that confirms that her suspicion that Issa is messy is that Nathan has now kind of come back into Issa's life. Um we did see an interesting tidbit in this last episode where, where Andrew basically tells Molly why Nathan disappeared. You know, he was dealing with his mental health. And Molly goes, well, Issa didn't tell me that. And Andrew really hit the nail on the head on that situation. He was, that's between them. That's for them to talk about. Issa didn't really have to tell you. I'm sure you would like for her to have told you, but she didn't really have to. So when we look back at confirmation bias and um, so once we have formed a view of something, we embrace information that confirms that view while ignoring or rejecting information that casts doubt on it. So, though, there was probably some points that Molly might have made that maybe has a tinge of truth to it, like Issa has been messy in the past and, you know, the, Issa does often ask for favors and need help. Um, 
Issa is trying to reject that information because in the whole, Molly was wrong for how she approached it, when she approached it, and even the words that she was using um, to approach things. And in the same way, um, Molly is still trying to confirm that she is committed to this relationship. Um, she's a little bit more secure about it, but I think uh, some of the words do ring home that um, one thing we noticed early in the season is that with the confirmation bias is that also that Issa it was expecting Molly to mess up with uh Andrew, but Molly's actually putting putting forth like significant effort into that relationship. So confirmation bias suggests that we do not perceive circumstances objectively. We pick out those bits of data that make us feel good because they confirm our prejudices. Thus we may, we may become prisoners of our own assumptions. Confirmation bias can be found in anxious in anxious individuals who would view the world as dangerous. Um, this gives an example of a person with low self-esteem that is highly sensitive to being ignored by other people. Um, they constantly monitor for signs that people might not like them. Thus, if they're worried about something about someone is being is annoyed with them, they are biased towards the negative information about how that person acts towards them. Um, you may that person may interpret negative or neutral behavior as an indication of something negative. So wishful thinking is it goes on this article from Psychology Today also goes on to discuss wishful thinking is a form of self-deception such as false optimism. Um, it gives an example of we often deceive ourselves such as stating just this once. It's not that flattering or I'll stop smoking tomorrow or even I think it's not necessarily wishful thinking. It's I'll reach out. Well, I should probably reach out. That is a little bit of self-deception because you, you know, that is kind of a little bit of confirmation bias. I think on Issa's part that, you know, I'm used to being the one who reconciles things. So Mirabish actually has to tell her like, whoa, 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 whoa you do know as notice that you're the one who always reaches out. So maybe let her do it for once. Um, Self-deception can be like a drug. It numbs you from harsh reality or turning a blind eye to the tough matter or gathering and think gathering evidence and thinking. Um, as Voltaire commented, illusion is the first place of all pleasures. Um, so in the sum and the sum of things where well, the article sums things up is that people are prone to believe what they want to believe. Seeking to confirm our beliefs comes naturally. While it feels strong and counterintuitive to look for evidence that contradicts our beliefs, this explains why our opinions survive and spread. Disconforming instances are more often more powerful in establishing the truth. Disconfirmation would require looking for evidence that disproves what we hold to be true to begin with. So, Looking, you know, this this confirmation on Molly and Issa's ends is really looking for the growth that they cannot see in each other, that they're failing to see in each other due to their confirmation biases about each other and only focusing on the things that confirm their suspicions that they have about the issues that they have with each other. With Issa, it is seeing that Molly is going to repeatedly 
mess up a relationship because she's either too thirsty or she's not either she's too thirsty or the guy's not well no 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 she's as she put it before is like either the guy's too thirsty or he's not thirsty enough or you're always looking for a problem that is going on in the situation instead of letting things naturally go um where it mentions something about neutral behavior seen as negative molly's really bad about that is seeing behavior that somebody is displaying that may be neutral as more of a negative behavior that then decides for her to kind of disengage. Um, One of those things might have been the whole situation and the conversation with Andrew about his sister, where he wasn't necessarily ready to have that discussion because it's something that's very, very sensitive to him. She saw that neutral kind of reluctant behavior as negative. Um, And on Molly's end, Molly is failing to see the growth that Issa is doing professionally and also in dealing with the quote unquote mess of her relationship with Lawrence and her relationship with Nathan. She's failing to see that Issa really did a very good job of handling the kind of awkwardness between her and Condola because Condola was dating Lawrence. And also she's noticed she has not noticed that Issa really did a very good job of setting boundaries and communicating exactly what she where she stood with Nathan after he came back from ghosting her. And now even where they're growing to be on good terms, Issa, uh, Molly kind of is perceiving it that Issa is automatically just messy and jumping right back into things instead of actually noticing that they're kind of cordial and friendly and that Issa is really making Nathan actually work to redeem himself. So Um, The take home lesson here is that to set your hypothesis and look for instances that prove that you are actually wrong. Um, This is perhaps a true definition of self-confidence, the ability to look at the world without the need to look for instances that that please your ego. Um, For group decision making, it is critical to obtain information from each member in a way that they are independent. So it gives an example here that um, as part of a police procedure to derive more reliable information from multiple witnesses to a crime, witnesses are not allowed to to discuss it prior to giving their testimony. The goal is to prevent unbiased witnesses from influencing each other. Um, So when we look at confirmation bias, like it says here, both of them are struggling to allow themselves to be wrong about preconceived notions they have about each other, which let which leads to this big giant argument and fight that they end up having. So let's look at some more examples of how confirmation bias works. So when we understand confirmation bias, um, it is a type of cognitive bias. And I'll talk about more biases um later on in the show one day um you know things like um implicit bias um we'll talk about that at one point at some point down the line and then the uh the, the podcast um so confirmation bias in action so think about this consider the debate over gun control um let's say that one person is in support of gun control so that person seeks out news stories and opinion pieces that reaffirm the need for the limitation on gun ownership. 
Um, this person hears stories about shootings in the media and then interprets them in a way that supports their existing beliefs. On the other hand, another person is very Second Amendment. Um, they seek out news stories that are aligned with their position. Um, when it comes across stories about shootings, that person will interpret that in a way that supports this current position. Like, you know, a good guy with a gun could have stopped that from happening, which we don't really see. Um, these two people have different opinions on the same subject and their interpretations are based on their beliefs. Um, so let's look at the impact that confirmation bias can have. Um, in the 1960s, uh, cognitive psychologist uh, Peter Cathcart uh, Wasson conducted a number of experiments known as Wasson's Rule Discovery Task. Um, he determined that people have a tendency to seek out information that confirms their existing beliefs. Unfortunately, this type of bias can prevent us from looking at situations objectively. Um, it can also influence the decisions we make and lead to poor or faulty choices. Um, so by not object, not seeking out objective facts, interpreting information in a way that only supports their our existing beliefs, um, and only remembering details that uphold those beliefs, we often miss information. Um, so this can be very difficult in relationships where that other person that is in your relationship may be working to grow or evolve or things may be changing and you're refusing to see that growth or change because you have a very certain view of that person. Um, that also feeds into another thing where our confirmation bias that often impacts and feeds into our, our pre um, conceived notions that we also, that we already have feeds into negativity bias. So what exactly is negativity bias? So the negative bias is our tendency to only register to not only register negative stimuli more readily, but also dwell on those events. Um, this is also known as positive negative asymmetry. This negativity bias means that we feel the sting of a rebuke more powerfully than we feel the praise, the joy of praise. Um, this phenomenon explains why bad first impressions can be so difficult to overcome why past trauma can have such lasting long lasting lingering effects um in almost any interaction we are more likely to notice negative things and then later remember them more vividly so as human beings we tend to remember traumatic events better than positive ones we recall insults better than praise or we react more strongly to negative stimulus uh, stimuli we think about negative things more frequently than positive things um, we respond more strongly to negative events than to equally positive events so let's give an example for that so let's look at the block party so where we look at the negative the negativity bias we look at one molly not really wanting to go and really support Issa because they're already kind of at odds with each other um, and I noticed this where it mentioned that we we feel the sting of a rebuke more than we do praise uh, the joy of praise I'm more than certain and we noticed a little a little hint of Molly's reaction to the conversation she had with Andrew about Nathan and Issa I am 
even more reassured that after that conversation that the rift and the beef between Molly and Issa really started when Issa stood up to Molly and said, it was not your place to tell Nathan to not come around. I should have been the one to do that. It's my relationship and I need to talk to him because I need to say what I feel to him. And you didn't allow me that opportunity. So that rebuke really hit Molly hard because one thing I think I definitely noticed, we for sure definitely noticed in this episode as well, is that Molly cannot be wrong. She does not like to be wrong. And she certainly doesn't like to admit that she is wrong in a situation. So when we look at negativity bias, we look at Molly trying to find every negative way to reaffirm the messy or user that Issa is. We see the negative, the kind of negative bias that Molly displayed when, you know, Issa came to her about the headliner um, flaking out. Immediately, Molly's response was, well, you had to have done something to, you know, for this to happen. And the same thing with Issa, where, you know, Molly's kind of hot or cold about Andrew and. Um, next we want to look at keeping your perspective broad and realistic. Um, don't place too much importance on one single talk. Most of the progress in relationships come from a series of discussions as they unravel naturally. Try and stay in the moment and minimize added drama by bringing up old or unrelated issues, which (laughs) we definitely didn't do that for sure. Number seven, listen more than you talk. It is fine to be heard, but if you're not listening to other people's responses, the discussion is pointless. Um, and I don't really know if either one of either Molly or Issa did a good job at this. And I think I know in some of the arguments that I've definitely had to endure in my time. Um, I don't I'm not sure if. I, I, from my estimation, I felt as though I listened equally as much as I talked, but I also felt like I talked more because the other person did not necessarily listen to what I was saying and was constantly trying to talk over what I was trying to say. Um, number eight is avoid adding unnecessary drama. Um, these are things, these things that will help fix a problem and ultimately bring more hurt involved. Um, these are things like ultimating, yelling, um, threatening to cut off the friendship, name calling and personal attacks. And yeah, that we definitely saw that where, you know, the the. The conflict started off with the one issue at hand of did you ask Nathan to talk to Andrew for me uh, for you? And then it, and it blew up in the name calling and threats. Um, which <laughs> as you heard at the end of the clip, you know, made it sound like that Molly was going to shoot Issa and everybody got scared. And then all the black people started, started talking about, oh, you know, uh, like, is it a gun? Is it a wallet? I don't know. I can't tell. Is it her keys? And then the old black man talking about uh, these Negro, well, niggas can't have nothing. <laughs> this just runs off. <laughs> it was funny, but like, I mean, it's very. This is a very black centric. Ah, it's a very black centric joke, you know. Especially because you, you know, it it is an extremely black centric joke. I mean, it was funny in that moment, but at the same time, it's like, man, that's kind of sad. But it's funny. It, you know, it's that 
um, that uh, kind of dark humor that we as black people have because of all the injustices that we've dealt with. Um, number nine, you want to focus on the per on what the person is trying to communicate. Um, so the article says that I'm often reminded as a parent to listen to my child's words, not necessarily the emotion behind them. Emotions are fleeting and rarely final. They're simply a temporary action to the current situation. Number 10, you want to acknowledge the feelings. So if somebody's hurt, you know, you can better understand, you know, the sharp and harsh words that they may be saying to you. Um, you can choose to help them deal with those emotions or let them regain their composure to talk another time. Um, number 11 is take a realistic assessment of your true feelings of your own true feelings in that moment. So um, when we take it, take a stock of our assessing our feelings, right? Try not to distort or add unattended nuances to the words that other people may be saying when you're upset. Um, really sit back and kind of think to the self, like, how did I come to that conclusion from what I said? How did you come to that conclusion from what I said? Um, if you find the other person saying that, um, so that is a classic example of our ability to inflict the worst hurts upon ourselves. If you realize that um, you are upset and you try to hear the words uh, being said um, without running mental commentary, you know, those things can come out much clearer if you're not doing that. Um, so if you're listening to the person and you hear that person say to you, how did that how did you come up with that conclusion from what I said? You're not really listening to that person, but also you are not having a fair assessment of your own feelings and you are trying to kind of distort the other person's statements um because you're you're not really dealing with the conflict the conflict very well um number 12 is you want to clear emotional fog enough to receive the message um if you don't need to ask for clarification or even repeat what the other person is saying I mean, if you need to, if you need to ask for clarification or even repeat what you think the other person is saying, do it. Um, but at least make it a point to say that, OK, I'm confused. Is this what you're saying? And allow that person to clarify um, as opposed to saying like, OK, I'm confused. You are saying these things. You know, now you're really kind of projecting your own personal feelings as opposed to listening to what the person is saying. And the last thing, the last uh, tip that we want to mention here is that know that most well-established relationships can weather the occasional conflict just fine. Um, and I think with Molly and Issa, this might be one of those cases, but this is probably like maybe the third or fourth like major conflict that I think they've had. I mean, they they have one like at least once a season and the other, the first three seasons, they've been able to bounce back pretty well. I think with this season, it may take them a while to bounce back on this one. Um, you know, because the thing is, you know, it said the article says that it could be an opportunity to grow and evolve as you turn a new corner of understanding one another. Um, don't avoid expressing how you feel for the sake of preserving a friendship. 
The foundation of all relationships is grounded on honesty and trust. It is okay to show weakness, to be wrong, or to just plain melt down from time to time. Each person has something to give and something to learn. Conflict must be considered the way to pass along such knowledge. Every challenge with another is an opportunity to better our response. Um, they gave us the chance to practice patience, respect for others, detachment, and compassion. The added benefit is strengthening our relationships and our ability to communicate. So again, this is where we talk about not seeing conflict as a bad thing, but as an opportunity to learn um, and to challenge ourselves and how we respond to conflict and how we can respond to future conflict by um, challenging the ways that we respond to conflicts that may have not resolved things well or that gaining further understanding of how we're handling conflicts can help us down the road. So let's start wrapping up today by looking at um, another article from Psychology Today entitled Eight Sticky Friendship Situations and How to Get Out of Them. So we're definitely, I'm definitely going to look to highlight some of the, the situations that we've seen in Insecure. Um, so the first one is your friend is too busy to make plans. They break plans and they can't be counted upon, which we've seen this season. Um, so make sure that your friend is aware of what they're doing. Let them know that they're disappointed, that you're disappointed in them and then ask them to be more reliable. Um, you know, and, and in Molly's, Molly and Easy's cases, it would have been probably better for them to be more understanding of kind of where each other was going or each other's perspective outside of their friendship and know that they were both really busy in their professional, um, kind of situations to be more kind to each other if they were struggling making plans together um number two um you can't stand your friend's boyfriend or spouse so i'm gonna go over this one and so here's the deal and here's the fix that the uh the article suggests and this is written by um dr uh Dr. Uh, Irene S. Levine, um, the friendship doctor. So she suggests that it is your friend's partner, not yours. And you don't have to like them. What attracts two people can be hardly quantified or understood. Um, if you don't like her choice, try to carve out ways to spend time together with her without him or the other way around, whatever combination it is. Um, you can say how you feel, but don't try to talk her out of how she feels. Of course, if you think her choice of partner is self-destructive, let her know and try to be there for her, which, you know, I, I will leave some room for, you know, abusive situations where you are like constantly trying to, you're like, well, you're definitely trying to convince your friend out of that situation where, you know, they may be fully aware that they're in a very abusive or volatile situation. I will, I will give you situations like that that allow you to maybe just maybe press the issue with your friend and really be there for them um try to support their decision but at the same time let them know that you know this this person is not good for you and i fear for you i fear for your safety um certainly my friends um did that for sure for me um my family did as well um 
But one thing I do notice in this is that, like, with this one in particular, I look at the situation with Dro and Molly. Issa never really interjected herself in that situation, at least towards Dro. She might have talked to Molly about how she felt about it for her, but I don't think she ever really addressed Dro with how I think you should leave my friend alone because you're playing him. And I might be wrong. It's been a minute since I've seen seasons two and three, um, but I will definitely say for sure that with Molly, with Nathan, she made it a point to um, not really let Issa handle the situation and basically spoke up for Issa, um, which definitely was kind of a boundary. Um uh, that she kind of crossed on that one that instead of, you know, just being like, she's not here. Um, you know, you kind of have not been there for her, I'm, you know, and I don't necessarily like that. She made it a point to be like, you know, she don't want you to come around, which wasn't really want, wasn't really what Issa was really wanting. Like Issa wanted to know where he was and wanted an explanation. So by, you know, Molly telling Nathan, like, don't come around or whatever like that. You were kind of, you know, robbing Issa a little bit of closure that she was kind of wanting from that situation. So problem number three, nah, I'm going to skip that one. It doesn't necessarily apply to the show, but well, you know what? I'm going to talk about it because, wow, actually. Anyway, uh, this that one, this one actually did kind of hit home a little bit. Actually, I didn't even think about that. Um, number three, your friend is infantile and you're pregnant or the inverse. Um, do everything you can to be sensitive to your friend's feelings, but the difficulty she's having may be so painful that it is hard for that friend to be around you. Um, continue to be empathetic. Uh, refrain from talking about children and childbearing consistently. Don't be surprised if she needs some space. Um, and yeah, I'm just going to leave that at that. Um, number four, um, your friend, you and your friend were attached at the hip and now you have nothing to say to each other. And we definitely are seeing that in this season of Insecure, um, for sure with Molly and Issa, um, your lives may have become so divergent that the friendship isn't what it once was. Friendships have their ups and downs and few of them last forever. See if you can figure out what's going on by talking about it. If it is a matter of you and your other friend or both of you having changed, try to maintain a more distant connection without cutting off the friendship entirely. Um, number five, you feel like you and your child are being excluded by a group of mothers. Um, yeah, this, that one doesn't really have much to do with the show, but I'll read it anyway. Um, Oof. Shout out to my child. Um, the only thing more painful than feeling left out is feeling like your child is being left out as well. Um, see if you can talk to one or more of the parents to see if you can maintain a relationship um, with your friend apart from the group. Um, it might also be wise to meet other, you know, parents who have children. Um Number six, your colleague with whom you are close friends with is taking advantage of your friendship by slacking off on their work. Um, well, this might have been uh, pertinent to like Molly and Frida. Um, you were recently promoted and made her supervisor. Yeah, I think it definitely does kind of actually uh, um, more like Molly and Frida, even though 
I mean, uh, Issa and Frida. But, of course, Issa left. We got y'all, though. So, Which I'm actually kind of sad because we haven't seen Frida. And I like that character. Frida was cool. Um, it's unfortunate what she's doing. Um, to preserve your friendship and maintain productivity at work, you need to speak to her and clearly define your expectations of her performance in the workplace. Um, which I think Frida had to do because of the situation with the one principal at the school where, you know, it kind of fell back on Issa and Frida had to kind of come down on her a little bit. Um, number seven, you were introduced to your best friend by another friend of yours. And the two of them are no longer included. Um, the, the two of them no longer include you in their plans. Um, although it feels rotten, friend poaching happens more often than you might think. Perhaps the two of them just hit it off. Um, you can see if you can maintain a relationship with one or the other of the two of them. But unfortunately, if you can't, you may need to just find a new friend. Um, now, and that's one thing I said, like, like I mentioned, like uh, Insecure does a really good job of like even in these friendship groups where there's friction between two people in this circle of friends, they all still do a decent job of being civil and, you know, cool around each other for the most part. You know, whether that's Lawrence and Issa and their issues or, you know, not Issa and Molly, Dro and, you know, Dro and Molly um tiffany and the girls you know they still do a decent job of you know kind of still being cordial and civil around each other um even though we are seeing this breakdown this season where east is kind of being excluded from some things with molly and like tiffany like where the the what we talked about last week where molly basically made the decision to do stuff in the house and tiffany's house without Issa being there and then not really telling her. Um, so the last thing is that your friend has dumped you without an explanation and you need closure. So after friendship has gone south, it is nice when two people have a common understanding of what happened and why. But that is not always possible. Sometimes friends don't give us the opportunity. Um, you can let the dust settle and try to talk to your friend again but um you may need to achieve closure on your own by letting go and moving on um i've had friendships that i often wondered what happened um but you know i'm okay with you know we left off i guess on decent terms or whatever and we just drifted apart or you know we just we needed to disconnect because things weren't going really well and, you know, I just had to kind of go our separate ways a little bit. Um, we'll see how things pan out with um, Molly and Issa. Um, I don't I don't think that this show is going to be written. In a, and, and I'm pretty much sure we got a teaser of them actually talking. And that's where they talk in the restaurant that we've been seeing all season um, where Issa's like really loud in the restaurant. She's like, oh, my bad. I didn't realize I was that loud. So I'm I'm imagining that that's where we're going to get the conversation where they're going to try to resolve things. Um, but I can see that not happening for at least a couple of episodes. So we'll see what happens tonight um, where we'll see kind of Issa's perspective on the kind of fallout from the, the argument and from the black party. And we'll see what happens. Um, 
Yes, ma'am. So with that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to The Captain's Couch. It's a little bit shorter episode, but I'm good with that. Um, I feel productive. I feel like I got what I wanted to say out the way. Um, we'll see what happens in the episode tonight, and I'll see what we can, what kind of topic we can tangentially uh, add on or talk about um, next week from the show. Um, I might actually... Maybe talk about ghosting since Nathan's back. So, hmm, yeah, we'll see what happens tonight. And we might talk about ghosting next week since uh, since Nathan, the friendly ghost, is back <laughs> from Houston um, and back on the show. So um, remember, to drop uh, feedback on uh, social media, um, on Twitter at Captain Ingenuity, at the Captain's Couch uh, or at Captain's Couch. Um, and of course, uh, at Captain Ingenuity on Instagram, um, and check out the Facebook page. Um, and we will be back next week with more of this lovely podcast entitled The Captain's Couch. Uh, I got to catch up on the New Days podcast. Um, but thank y'all, and we will check with y'all next week. Peace. Congregation, would you turn your text to the book about cast? Chapter 2, verse 1, the first one to feel me. Jump up and make a joyful noise, use our cast it. Meaning, now you have a choice like that.